Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, May 29th. S&P futures are trading down uh, just about 15 points. That's about 50 basis points. The major European indices are off about 1.2%. That still leaves them up 3 to 5% for the week. And Asia was mixed overnight. Uh, Japan underperformed, but mainland China did decently. Um, so a few moving pieces this morning. Obviously, US-China is the main kind of macro concern. Trump Thursday afternoon came out and said he was going to hold a press conference today on Friday. It's unclear what time that press conference will take place. That announcement weighed on U.S. equities into the bell yesterday, and it's kind of causing some anxiety this morning. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces with China. You had the um, House passed a human rights bill earlier in the week, and you obviously have the uh, you have the State Department come out earlier in the week and say that it no longer considers Hong Kong to be autonomous. So. I had a I have a preview in the piece this morning about what Trump can do at this press conference. I'm not terribly concerned about it. Um, you know, I think I think he will kind of address Hong Kong. He has a variety of different options. I don't think there he will adopt the most severe ones. Um, I think he's trying to thread a very delicate needle heading into the election, whereby um, he um, you know he he acts tough towards China, which is very much a you know popular bipartisan issue. Um, while while trying not to disrupt the economy too dramatically, and I and I suspect that the announcement today um, will kind of try to balance both of those themes. So I think the markets, so long as there are not sweeping sanctions um, involved in the announcement today, so long as there is nothing that really materially alters kind of this phase one trade agreement, um, I think the markets will generally be accepting of of um, or, or will tolerate whatever the announcement is on China today. Um, you know, so that's the big kind of headline reason for the market pullback. Um, you know, my personal opinion is I still think that the narratives around reopening on stimulus on positive linearity are increasingly stale, and I think the market is at an unreasonably high PE. Um, so I, China is definitely one of my concerns, and especially at these valuations, the markets have become a lot more sensitive to it. Um, but I think the bigger issues are kind of like I said, those three those three factors, the current narrative around all of them um, strikes me as just being very stale at the moment. So the two most interesting articles to me overnight, I have links to them, um, just talk about how the the true economic fallout of the COVID crisis is really not being felt in the economy right now and the statistics and the spending patterns of consumers. Um, and it goes through talking about how the fiscal payments, including the one-time $1,200 check sent out, as well as the increased federal unemployment benefits that are in addition to the state unemployment benefits, as well as a lot of uh, forbearance actions on the part of banks um, and, and as far as rentals, et cetera. That is all creating, um, that's all helped to kind of shelter the economy from the fallout. And in a lot of cases, actually boosting people's income. So there is, you know, the journal article just made it clear that you actually have a, for a lot of people, their incomes and their wealth went up as a result of the crisis is given those increased payments. Um, a lot of them are due to fall off. So you kind of are looking at this large fiscal cliff as that one-time check gets spent and then the, the federal benefits expire in July. In addition, a lot of workers that have been furlonged, and there have been a lot of polling that has taken place, a lot of those furloughed, furloughed workers anticipate getting their jobs back. But the articles make clear that that's probably not necessarily going to occur, especially to the extent anticipated. So it was they were both interesting articles just talking about how the actual state of the underlying economy is much worse than the headline economic statistics would suggest, and obviously than the markets would suggest. Now, Congress is working on a fifth stimulus bill, and they could wind up extending some of those fiscal payments, um, which obviously would kind of extend 
um, you know, would obviously help the, the uh, would help consumers, I think, deal with uh, the COVID fallout. But, you know, I do think that the underlying economy is weaker than I think some of the headline statistics would suggest. And on the coronavirus cases, too, there were a bunch of interesting articles. Um, you know, I think markets are most sensitive to um, developments in certain hotspots like New York or Italy or Germany. And you are seeing encouraging trends in, in all those places as far as transmissions, hospitalizations, et cetera. But that does not mean that cases globally are really leveling off at all. In fact, you're seeing um, they're spiking higher in certain states in the U.S. and they're really dramatically rising throughout Latin America, um, which suggests that you know this is still going to be an issue. Um, and you, know, you also still obviously have the second wave factor that in the fall potentially in the U.S. Um, you know, and I also think one other issue too that's not really being you know China is one is is one issue kind of out on the horizon, and then also I think the U.S. election is something the markets are not paying enough attention to. It's still very early in the process, but at this point in time, I think you would have to say that Biden should be considered the front runner just given all the polling data. He's polling consistently ahead of Trump on a national basis as well as in certain states beyond the margin of error in the in the polling statistics. And he's doing better than Clinton was at this point in 2016. Um, and so, I, I, you know, and if that is the case, if Biden is considered the front runner, then I think you also have to, uh, you know, question the control of the Senate, um, which which is increasingly looking like a very close race, just given the makeup of um, of the seats that are up for uh, reelection in November. Um, so those are kind of the bigger macro themes. The social media noise from Trump yesterday, I think, is largely just theatrics ahead of the election. Um, it really does not alter materially the regulatory landscape. It certainly is going to create a lot of noise and headlines around the industry. Um, and just incidentally, Twitter affixed another warning to one of Trump's tweets overnight. So that will make for some interesting uh, dynamics today to see how the White House responds to it. Uh, I think markets, though, are generally concerned. You know, a couple of weeks ago, there have been reports that the DOJ is considering a major antitrust lawsuit against Google. I think that is a genuine concern in the market. So we'll have to see how that unfolds over the coming weeks. The journal report initially had suggested that could hit as soon as June. Um, the protests that are occurring in Minneapolis um, certainly are not helping sentiment. And those are, you know, there are protests occurring in major cities um, following the, the death of George Floyd. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a huge issue for the market at the moment. That's just one, you know, added negative on top of, um, you know, to add on to this morning's list. There were a few economic data points out overnight. I would say they skewed net negative in terms of earnings. Nothing in Europe this morning. You had a lot in the U.S. last night, um, and they were mixed. So Salesforce.com is probably the main uh, disappointment, where you had underwhelming guidance. Um, you know. That may weigh a little bit on on a kind of growth, um, but I do not think you know you aren't seeing really an aggressive rotation from from growth to cyclical. You're seeing, I think, incremental buying occurring in cyclical. And keep in mind, it doesn't take a lot of money to move the cyclical value names a lot. So you know, I, you really are not seeing investors give up on your blue chip kind of growth stocks. I think some of the ancillary ones that have spiked. Um, you know, that are considered kind of thematic plays off of work from home, et cetera. Those names may be more vulnerable, but your core growth momentum names, um, you know, you really are not seeing a lot of aggressive selling out of them. And I don't think you're going to see, you know, Salesforce really suffer a huge decline today. Um, you had better numbers out of some more mid-cap cloud software stocks, and then Dell and Williams-Sonoma were both pretty strong. So for the calendar today, Obviously, this Trump-China press conference will be in focus. Again, I'm not certain what time it is going to take place. 
Powell is due to deliver remarks at 11. So this will be kind of the last Fed speaker before the June meeting. Um, the Fed is not expected to take any real material action at the June meeting. I think the Fed's very much on hold. They have all the liquidity facilities deployed. Um, they're kind of ramping them up logistically and, and getting them out in the market to operate. They actually really have not been deployed all that much. It's It's been rather amazing that the simple presence of them in the market has really done a lot of the work for the Fed. Um, so if you kind of look at the utilization, the Fed's balance sheet gets published every Thursday night. Those liquidity facilities have really not been used at all. And the, the corporate bond ETF purchase, which is probably probably one of the, you know, the single most important action that the Fed took, um, it's barely been utilized at all. It's been There's been about, um, I think, three and a half to four billion of purchases on that in the market. Um, but the simple presence of it has, again, catalyzed an enormous shift in corporate bond sentiment. And you've had a huge issuance across the board um, that companies have been able to come to market themselves. Um, the ECB next week, though, will be more important. So on Thursday, the ECB is meeting widely expected to increase this PEPP, which is the main kind of COVID-related bond buying program, by an extra half trillion euros, and then possibly expand its mandate too. So um, you know, to, to encompass the quote-unquote fallen angels or companies that have just recently fallen into the upper echelons of, of junk rating. Um, so those are the main themes and trends for today. Uh, I sent around a big update on banks yesterday, and I sent around the latest bullish bear narrative as well. Um, you had a lot of bank CEOs speak this week at a variety of different conferences. Um, and you actually have a few more bank CEOs that will speak today. So the Wells Fargo and Citigroup are both uh, speaking at conferences this morning. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.